you. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and just tell them how beautiful they're looking. That nice summer glow. Awesome. Thanks, man. Very cool. Push it down. Nice. Nice. Hey, you guys over there, sorry, I don't want to pick on you, but if you want, you could come into the middle. Um, you don't have to, you can, you can fully stay there, but I'm just going to preach here, so don't feel excluded. You can stay there if you want. Um, oh, hey, also, I forgot to mention um, when, when we were doing the notices before, if you are a visitor with us today, we might not have gotten around to handing out a connection card, but we did. We, we, I don't know if we did or we didn't, but if we, if we got one to you, um, just fill it out. Uh, it's got, got some space for your details on it. And then after the service, we'd love to, um, to shout your free coffee. Uh, so if you go down to, to the black tent, uh, there's the coffee machine there. Yoko and Tim will be manning that. Um, and feel free to, to grab a coffee. If you didn't get a connection card, just head on down to that black tent anyway and say, I'd like a connection card um, and, and fill that in. And we'd love to connect with you, let you know what we're doing, even if you're from another town. I reckon it's always, um, I find it encouraging. I get a bunch of emails from other churches in uh, different cities in, in Wellington, uh, <laughs> different cities in New Zealand, no other cities in Wellington. Um, but yeah, and I, I just love seeing, you know, what's going on uh, ac across New Zealand. It's, it's exciting. And that's part of what I love about summer as well is, you know, um, a bunch of us aren't here today, obviously, but it's exciting that, that Wellington and, and the, the special kind of vibe that Wellington carries can be up and down the country, you know? I think that's awesome. We've got a friend here from, from Whanganui, you know? And I just love that, that throughout the summer, we're going to have people uh, coming in and out from a whole lot of different churches uh, around Wellington. And I think that's, that's exciting, you know, a bit of seeing what other people are up to, a bit of getting inspired. Sometimes it just takes hearing something from a fresh voice, a fresh face, and you're like, oh, wow. That's, yeah, you know, my pastor's been preaching that the entire year, but now I hear it, um, which isn't necessarily a great thing, but it's human nature. So, you know, um, keep your eyes out. We'll be having visitors come through all summer. If you are a visitor, please just uh, pretend that this is your lounge. Take off your shoes. Uh, make yourself at home. We won't complain at all. Uh, very cool. I hope everyone had a good Christmas. Had a good Christmas. I had an amazing Christmas. I balanced Christmas just right where I had enough food, but not too much food. You know, like I got, I, I felt full, I felt satisfied, but I did not feel sick yesterday, which I think is the, that's that balance, it's, it's important. Um, I don't know about you guys, I find Christmas real interesting, um, especially in the last couple of years, I've been finding Christmas really long, which is a weird thing to say, right? But, but here's how it works. My mum is born on the 14th, no, 12th, that would have been bad. Um, don't worry, mum, if you're listening to the recording, I don't know when you're born. Uh, my mum is born on the 12th of December. And so what used to happen growing up is um, we weren't allowed to put up anything related to Christmas until after the 12th. The reason I say the 14th is because usually it was the 14th that we'd get around to putting up our Christmas tree, which I think is fair enough, right? Like you don't want to be sitting there having your birthday and looking at the Christmas tree and being like, really? Everyone's just wishing this day was done, right? In fact, actually, uh, my brother-in-law, he is born on Christmas Day which was, I felt bad because I was like looking at him on Christmas Day and I was like, Merry Christmas. And my brain was like, there's something else you're meant to say. There's something else you're meant to say. And I was like, oh, and happy birthday. Oh, sorry. But you know, um, and, and, and so obviously he can't say no Christmas tree because it's Christmas Day. But uh, my mum could. And so we didn't used to put up a Christmas tree or anything like that until around about the 14th. And, and now that I'm not living at home, I have not been living at home for about eight years. But uh, now that I've gotten around to, to putting up my own Christmas tree, I can put it up on the 1st. In fact, I think this year we put it up on like maybe the 28th of November, right? Before, before December even started, we were getting Christmassy. 
Um, and, and so then it just feels like forever. Like I feel like I'm looking at this Christmas tree for far too long. But it's, um, it's, been, it's been interesting, right? And so the other day I was thinking about Christmases. And, and I was just, you know, as you do, I was thinking about mums. And I was thinking about, um, you know, mums are awesome, right? I reckon mums are amazing. Mums, mums are the ones that they, they can do things that no one else can do. Right? A, a mum can say something to you that no one else could say. Or when she says it, it carries weight that, that no one else's kind of statement would carry. Right? Like, if your mum comes up to you and says, you know, are you, are you really going to wear that out? You'd be like, oh, my mum doesn't like what I'm, you know, is my, am, I, am I too scantily clad mum? That's what I would think in my hot, in my hot shorts. But, you know, um, <laughs> that was a joke. I don't wear hot shorts. If I did, that, they wouldn't be hot on me. Right? But, um... <laughs> But, you know, mums can say, uh, my favorite thing is, um, actually, to be honest, I hate it. But I find it interesting. It's one of those things like, um, side tangent, does anyone, uh, is anyone here on Instagram? All right, cool, there's like three of us, right? There's an Instagram account uh, called Dr. Pimple Popper. Um, we, won't, we won't stay on this topic long, don't worry. But Dr. Pimple Popper is a dermatologist. Uh, and Dr. Pimple Popper just uploads videos of her popping people's pimples and cysts. And that kind of thing. And it's disgusting uh, and repulsive, but at the same time, you can't stop watching it. And, and something that's very similar to this is reality TV shows, right? I find reality TV shows disgusting and, and repulsive, but at the same time, if I happen to sit down and turn on the TV and they're there, sometimes I'll find that I'm watching it for 10 minutes before I realize I want to change the channel. This is destroying my soul, right? And, and so one of, one of the things that I find interesting about reality TV shows is, is those, um, like the Talent Quest kind of TV shows, like X Factor or American Idol or you think you got talent or something else with talent in the name, and, you know, they press buttons and X's appear. You, you, you know the gist, right? And, and the thing that I find really interesting about those shows is the mums, right? Every contestant has a mum, and, and that mum, regardless of how talented the contestant is, is, is certifiably, like, convinced that that contestant will win the show, right? That they're tone-deaf unable to dance, unable to, to, you know, even hold a microphone properly, uh, son or daughter, is the next Beyonce. And, and they're just convinced of it. And you can't talk to, you can't tell that mum no, right? There's a reason that they just get the contestants onto the stage. Because you can tell the contestant no. Imagine if the mum was standing there next to them. They're like, look, sorry, Jim, you just, you just can't sing, right? You're, you're not going to be famous. You can't sing. Great other things, I'm sure, but, but this isn't it. And then Jim's mum's there, and she's like, no, no, you're wrong. Jim's got the most lovely, he, he sings in the shower, and it is beautiful. I would buy a CD of Jim. Right, if you had the mum up there, it, it would never end, right? The, the show would, would just go on forever, just Simon Cowell and the mum arguing. It would be, uh, it's a, maybe an idea for a new format. It would be something to see. But, but I, was, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about, you know, mums, you, you can't argue with mums. And I started thinking uh, about Mary, right? We're at Christmas time. You maybe just had a, an, uh, the, what's that called when you got Mary and Joseph and, nativity scene. Man, my words are doing great today. Might have had a nativity scene in your house. We used to have a nativity scene that was um, knitted, like a knitted nativity scene. It was beautiful. And my nana made it. And I was like, this is one of a kind. And then about a month ago, I went to someone else's house and they had the same one. I was like, you stole my nana's nativity scene. And it was then that I realized that she knitted it from a pattern, which makes sense. But for some reason, I thought it was the only one in the world. Um, but, you know, you might have had a nativity scene, and, and you might have had Mary and, and, and Joseph, and, and you, you weren't sure which one was Joseph because there was Joseph and there was some shepherds, and you're like, I can't, Joseph doesn't look any different to the shepherds. It's, oh, he doesn't have one of the crooky things. All right, so he must be Joseph. Right, and, and then you've got the baby. And, and I started thinking a, a, about Mary, 
right? Mary, this, this lady who, who we can look at, and, and I think we can see something heroic in, right? I think for us, as we're in the last Sunday of the year, there's something really, really important that we can learn from her about how, how to do life well, right? How to follow God well, because it's important to realize that God uses Mary to change the world, right? And I want to ask you the question, what if God is wanting to use you to change the world as well? Right. What if God is, is waiting to use you to change the world, and, and part of that happening is us responding like Mary? Right. Today I've titled uh, "There's Something About Mary." Does anyone remember that movie? Oh man, that was a an interesting movie. Right. I was trying to like I remember the title of the movie, and I remembered it was about a lady named Mary. And I was like, should I bring up the movie or not? I can't remember if it's like racy. I can't remember if I'm gonna be like, does anyone remember that movie? And I'm gonna be like, no, I'm a good Christian. I didn't watch that movie. But there you go. Right. Because there's something, there's something that God saw in Mary that, that he says, I can, I can use this. And at Equippers Church Wellington, you, you might have been here a hundred times before. This might be your first Sunday here. But, but we want to make sure that every Sunday that you leave, that you understand that at Equippers Church Wellington, we wholeheartedly believe that everyone has a part to play in changing Wellington. Right, at Equippers Church Wellington, we're all about gathering together and, and encouraging each other and having a good time and, and singing songs and, you know, boosting each other up. And that is really important. But at the same time, at Equippers Church Wellington, we are convinced that we're here to make a difference. Right, that we're not just here to feel good, although that's awesome. That we're not just here to sing good songs, although we do have the best band in existence. Right, but, but that we're actually here to change Wellington, that Wellington needs changing, regardless of how good you think it is or how bad you think it is, there's something that we can bring that will make it better, right? See, see I think that we can learn something from Mary. Where, where can we be ready to be used by God? Right, I want to read to you uh, from, from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 56, and it's the story of, of Mary being told that she's going to be the mother of Jesus, Right, we're going to chuck it up on, there we go, already there. And um, I just want you to read along with me, because I think there's something in, in this collection of verses and in Mary's response that we can learn from, that we can see, all right, so this is how Mary responded, and God used her to literally change everything. How can we respond? Right, and so it goes like this. If you've got a Bible, uh, read along with me. If not, it's just up on the screen. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this is uh, Mary's cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name, Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, this is Mary, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great, be called son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will rule Jacob's house forever. No end ever to his kingdom. But Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son, old as she is? Everyone called her barren, and here she is, six months pregnant. Nothing, you see, is impossible with God. And Mary said, Yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. Then the angel left her. Verse 39, Mary didn't waste a minute. 
She got up and traveled to a town in Judah in the hill country straight to Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and sang out exuberantly, You're so blessed among women, and the babe in your womb also blessed. And why am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord visits me? The moment the sound of your greeting entered my ears, the babe in my womb skipped like a lamb for sheer joy. Blessed woman who believed what God said, believed every word would come true. And Mary said, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. That God, whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffering braggarts, which is the best Um, He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banklet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months and then went back to her own home. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity to be here in your house on a Sunday morning. God, I thank you for for this Sunday, this, this special Sunday as it's the end of 2015 as we can look back on what was, as as we can celebrate, as we can wrap up the year, and as we can look forward into 2016. God, I thank you for this this space of transitions. And Lord, I pray that that, that this wouldn't just be a a placeholder for us, God, that this wouldn't just be a, a Sunday between Christmas and New Year's, but that today we would lean in God, thank you that you're always speaking, God, that you're always wanting to, to say something to us. And I pray, God, that, that today as we're here, God, as, as I'm speaking, it wouldn't be my words, but that you would say something through us listening, God, that you want to encourage us, that you want to convict us, God, but that ultimately we would leave here knowing that we met with you and you changed everything. Amen. Mary's interesting, right? I, I don't know if you've ever kind of read that verse before. Um, it, it's often, you know, in, in, in Christmas time, we, we always seem to, in fact, last, uh, at Christmas Eve service, I read Luke chapter 2, right, which is the, the chapter right after this one. But, but so often we kind of, we start at Luke chapter 2, and, and then we go into the rest of Luke because it's Jesus and he's doing crazy stuff. But, but we can miss this little bit at the start, right? We, we, we like the birth of Jesus because that's Christmas. And then we're like, well, we've read Luke chapter 2. We don't really need to read Luke chapter 1. And, and then there's the whole kind of awkward dynamic of, of Mary, right? Because Mary is an important biblical character, but, but there are other Christian religions that, that worship Mary, right? And, and, and so often what, what we do is, as a church that doesn't deify Mary, sees Mary as an important person, but not, not an equivalent of God, is we kind of pendulum away from her, right? We, we don't want to speak too much about Mary because we don't want people to think that, that we think she's God, and so we don't really speak about her at all. Or at least that's kind of the, the, the place that I've come from. I don't know about you, but I haven't heard a whole lot of sermons about Mary. And yet I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, man, there's actually some really important things about Mary here. There's some important lessons that we can learn here. You know, we'll go and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Zechariah, or we'll talk about Elizabeth, but, but let's not miss what, what happens here with Mary, right? That maybe there's something that we can learn from Mary. Mary, in fact, in, in prepping this message, has become one of my favorite biblical characters. Because Mary has this, this amazing ability to, to be called by God to do the, the ridiculous, 
right? The extravagant, the, the, the far and beyond. This, this act that she's going to do, bearing a child as an, as an unmarried woman, is the hardest thing you could ask a woman to do in this culture, right? It's harder than anything else. This is the hardest thing she could be asked to do, harder than selling everything she owns, harder than, than asking someone else to marry her, harder than, than standing in the marketplace and, and delivering a message. This is it. This is the, the biggest ask that God can ask of her. And here she is, and, and she does it. See, this morning I've got four things that Mary did that I think that we can do that will help us to follow God's call when he asks us to do crazy, foolhardy, seemingly impossible things that will change the world. The, the first thing is that Mary stood on the testimony of others, right? Luke chapter one, verses 26 to 38, Gabriel greets Mary and Mary freaks out, right? Which is interesting because first of all, most historians believe that, that around uh, this time, Mary would have been about 16 years old. Some people place her a little bit younger. Pretty much no one places her older. So at the oldest, she would have been 16. And in our culture, uh, we think of angels as, as cute, right? When you think of an angel, you probably think of like a, a baby in a, in a diaper with some wings and like a bow and arrow, and it's, it's singing songs, and it's rolling around in some clouds, and it's just giggling with God, and God's got the big old white beard, and it's like, oh, that's a, and you start thinking he's Santa, and it gets confusing. And, but, you know, we think of angels as these, these cute things, right? These kind of, you know, little fluttering about. All we think of them is these delicate kind of robed creatures, right? You know, with, with hands in front of them, always praying, and, and a halo, and they're kind of just, they're standing on this shoulder, and they're like, Jono, be good. And then the devil's on the shoulder, he's like, Jono, be bad. And they're kind of in argument, but the angel's very, always very polite, right? That's how we think of angels, yeah? But in fact, in, in angels, especially in, in this time, they're not depicted like that. They're not depicted as cute and cuddly. Angels are, are depicted as, as, as creatures that you should fear, right? They're depicted as, as, as amazing, as awe-inspiring. That's why every time an angel appears in the Old Testament, they have to preface whatever the rest of they're going to say is with, don't be afraid, right? If the angel was showing up and it was a baby and it was cute and cuddly and it had some, some nappies on, it wouldn't have to be like, don't be afraid, right? No one's going to have like a little cherub appear and be like, oh, I'm so scared, and be like, wow. It's a bit of an awkward situation. There's a flying baby talking to me. But, but these beings, they're, they're awe-inspiring. They're, they're, they're challenging. And, and so first of all, Gabriel has to say to Mary, hey, hey, calm down. Don't be afraid. Relax, right? See, after all, getting a message from God should shake you up a bit. Yeah, it, we, we wouldn't want to, to have God speaking to us, God telling us what to do, God inspiring us. Why would God ask us or, or give us something to do that we could do on our own, right? Instead, God giving us a message, God asking us to do something, it should shake us up. It should make us afraid. God should have to preface what he asks us to do with don't be afraid, but do this crazy thing, right? Don't freak out but I'm gonna ask you to do something that's gonna cause you to freak out, right? God, when he speaks to us, he's not calling us to do small things. Maybe it starts there. Maybe the only way he can get your attention is by asking you to do little things, but that's not what God has intended for you. The ultimate uh, kind of journey of your life, the place that we end up isn't, oh, Jono, I just want you to smile at people on the street. That's not God's entire call for my life. Sure, it might be a part of it, but the ultimate place that God wants to take me is something that's gonna scare me witless, so here we are, Mary is, is hit with this massive call, right? Mary, I want to use you to deliver the Savior into the world, 
right? Hey, Mary, the biggest thing that I'm ever going to do on earth, the most important thing, the thing that everything hinges on, more important than Abraham or Moses, more important than David, the biggest thing I'm ever going to do, I want to use you, right? It would scare me. So here Mary is, and she's been asked, and she is thoroughly shaken, and she asks how. Right. How is this going to happen? She says to him, you know, I'm, I'm a virgin. I haven't slept with a man. How am I going to have a son? And the angel Gabriel replies this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy, Son of God. And if you stop there, Mary might be like, okay, don't really understand it, but, but cool. But the angel continues on, and he says this in verse 36. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son, old as she is? Everyone called her barren, and here she is, six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. Right? Why did Gabriel say this to her? What was the point? Was he just sharing some gossip? Like, oh, hey, while I'm here, uh, did you hear about Elizabeth? Right, just, just catching you up on the, you know, you guys don't have the internet. You can't see on Facebook that her Facebook status is pregnant. So I just thought I'd let you know because she's in another town. You might not have heard. This is what's happening with your cousin Elizabeth. See you later. Right, or, or maybe there's something more going on here. May, maybe the reason that he shares this story with her is to encourage her. Right, maybe he's giving her a testimony to stand on. When, when God calls you, where will you start from? Right? When God gives you a, a mission, when God calls you to do something, where are you going to start from? If we start from what we have seen, from what we know can happen, from what we've seen in our lives, we're limiting our vision. If I only ever believe that God can do what I've seen Him do, then God is only ever in my life. I'm only ever going to see Him do what I've already seen Him do. And then He's never going to do anything through me because I'm depending on what I've seen Him do through other people. Right, or maybe I'm even saying, no, no, that can't happen to me because that was Alistair's testimony, right? And Alistair's much bolder than I am. Alistair's much fitter than I am. I could never walk up and down a, a beach in Australia with drunk people. I could never do that because, you know, Alistair's Alistair and, and I'm me. See, what, what needs to happen here is if we expect to see only what we have already seen, we will most probably get what we have always got. Right? If we start from what we have seen, we limit our vision. All throughout the Bible, God has people share their testimonies. Right? David holds aloft Goliath's head. Uh, the, the Israelites build altars on the other side of the Jordan. Paul writes letter after letter after letter of testimonies and encouragement. Why? To expand our vision. See, when we stand on the testimonies of others, we see further. When we believe not just what we can do, but what God has done through others, we can believe for more. See, I think the reason that, that Gabriel shares this testimony of Elizabeth, this old, old woman who biologically should not be able to have a child, is it's because Mary can stand on the testimony of Elizabeth. Mary stood on the testimony of Elizabeth, and at first she was confused, right? She couldn't see how it could happen. But then on the testimony of Elizabeth, her faith is built up. Right, at first, she's like, God can't use me to have a son. I'm, I'm an unmarried and, and, and a virgin. But then when she realizes that God has caused Elizabeth to become pregnant, Elizabeth, who is old and barren, who her becoming pregnant was impossible, suddenly Mary's impossible doesn't seem so impossible. Right? Mary starts to see if God could do that impossible, why can't God do this impossible? Right? If, if God could change the world there, well, why couldn't God change the world here? If there could be a revival in that country, 
if there could be a revival in that town, if, if there can be a church of this size here, why can't this happen with us? See, God will call us to do more than we think that we can. And when he does, we have a decision. Will we look to others who have already gone further than we ever thought possible? You know, I find it amazing. We're always breaking world records. Have you noticed that? It's, you always hear, you know, oh, someone's run the 100-meter the sprint faster than anyone else has ever in the world, right? Or, or someone's, you know, biked further or, or ran further or walked further or swum deeper or jumped higher or whatever it is. Someone's done something bigger and further and greater than anyone else did before. And you've got to stop and think about it for a minute, right? Like, are we physically that much more impressive than, than 20 years ago? Obviously, in, in myself, Yes, you know, this is the epitome of human peak performance, but I'm not exemplary of everyone in the world. <laughs> right, Sexy, what's going on? How come we keep on breaking these, these records? Is it because nutrition is so much better? I mean, it's improving, but, you know, and, 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 and sports psychologists and, and, and sports scientists, they look at it and they look at it, and, and one of the main reasons they think that we keep on breaking records is because there's a new possible Right, first someone's like, oh, no one could ever run 100 meters that fast. And then someone does. And they're like, well, they did. Surely I can. What did they have that I don't? And so then they run it that fast. And then they're like, well, I've already, I've, I've set the same time as the person with the world record. Why can't I run it just a, a second faster? Why can't I push myself just a little bit harder? See, they see what's possible, and it changes their definition of impossible. You know, Jordan, uh, our senior pastor, he's always here, and he's always, he often talks about uh, Smith Wigglesworth, right, and, and, and this, this revival that happened in the town hall, right? Why does he do that? We're not with Smith Wigglesworth, right? We're, he's not coming here next week. He's not building expectation of Smith Wigglesworth as an amazing preacher. Why does he come back to this point of revival in Wellington? Because he's wanting us to understand if it's happened once, why can't it happen again? Right? Why can't we stand on the testimony of others and say this can happen here? Because otherwise what we do is we say, you know, not here. You know, no, no, not in Wellington. This, this can't happen. Wellington's too, you know, Wellington's too, it's got the government and too many, too many people who are just burnt out from government work. Or, or it's got too many academics or it's got too many non-academics. So it's got too many people wearing just all black. You know, people wearing all black, they just, they can't do anything exciting. They're just wearing all black. It just, it, it, dampens their soul, right? But we'll come up with some sort of excuse. This can't happen here because. And what we need to do is instead of saying, why can't this happen here? Look and say, why can this happen here? What is the testimony we can stand on? And when something happens, let's not shut our mouths, right? Let, let, let's not be afraid to say, hey, this amazing thing happened for me. I love the fact that Putty bought a house, Right, but he didn't just buy a house. He went on Facebook and he talked about buying a house, right? And one of the most amazing things I saw is some of Putty's friends that he grew up with in West Auckland coming along and saying, this is amazing because I never thought that anyone that I grew up with would own property. Right, I never thought that, that a Samoan man would be able to buy a house. And I never thought about that being a barrier for anyone. Right, I grew up in a totally different place. Paraparaumu, they're giving away houses for free. No one wants to live there. Right, but, but Pati sharing this testimony, it changes what other people see. You know, I guarantee you, there'll be someone that buys a house because of Pati's testimony. 
Because Pachi stood and said, I can do it. I overcame my doubts, my barriers, my, my fear maybe of debt, my, my inability to save, whatever it is. I overcame this and so can you. See, we need to share our testimonies because you don't know who's Elizabeth you are. You don't know who's waiting to hear what happened in your life, the breakthrough that happened, the thing that you were freed from, the, the, the job that you got, the place that you stepped out. And that's going to encourage them to do the next thing. Maybe someone is waiting to hear your story of John, Elizabeth's son, that will enable them to have their story of Jesus, right? Whose testimony are you standing on and whose testimony are you allowing others to stand on? Can you imagine what it would have been like to to have this assignment from God, right? To, to, To have God say to you, hey, no big deal. I just want you to have my son. Right? No, no, no biggie, he's just going to be the plan. There's no plan B, there's no backup plan. This is how we're changing the world. This is how we're redeeming humanity. Can you imagine how Mary would have had to explain her story? Right, 16-year-old virgins weren't pregnant at all in that culture. They're not pregnant at all in any culture. Right, here she is, and, and imagine how this would have been for Joseph. Right, here he is, and, and Joseph would have freaked out. In fact, we know Joseph did freak out. He went to quietly exit, right? Stage right. He's just like, hey, Mary, lovely gal, but uh, you're having a baby. We're not married. It's not my baby. I'm going this way, right? And, and he was great. He was good about it. He could have been like, no, adulterous, and, and had her stoned in a minute. But, but instead, he's just kind of like, hey, look, best of luck. You're a great gal. I'm out. And, and on his way out, an angel appears to him as well. Right? And, and says, look, something's happening here. Something's happening that you need to not shy away from. This is important. See, they had to have some sort of faith, some assurance in God to walk through this with their heads held high. See, my second point this morning, the second thing that Mary did, the first thing was she stood on the testimony of others. The second thing is Mary wasn't afraid of the opinions of others. Right? Pleasing God often means disappointing people. Isn't this uplifting, right? Hey, come to church. You know, we're going to change the world. Everyone's going to hate you for it. But, but here's the thing, right? This is the real gospel. The gospel is countercultural. And we say that word a whole lot, countercultural. Yeah, countercultural. But we need to stop for a minute and realize what that means. It's countercultural. The current way that things are, the way that things are comfortable with, the way that people enjoy things, the gospel is the reverse of that right? It's going to take everything that makes people feel comfortable and everything that earns people money and everything that that makes people kind of, you know, set up in their lifestyle, and it's just going to turn it on its head, right? And that's not a comfortable place to be, let alone a comfortable thing to be saying to people, right? Hey, the first is going to be last. Sounds beautiful until you realize, hey, I'm actually telling you, if you think that you're awesome, if you've been acquiring wealth your entire life just so you can feel great about yourself, if you think your status or, or your power is going to define you, actually God says that you're at the bottom, right? And that's great if you're at the bottom. You're like, yeah, that means the last will be first. I'm so glad that I have nothing. But, but we're not in a culture that has nothing. We're in a culture that has a lot. We will be last if we let what we have own us, right? See, the gospel is countercultural, and that means it makes people uncomfortable, right? See, there's some outcasting involved when you go countercultural. There's some people who will never talk to you again. 
There's some people who will disown you. There are some people who will push you away. Can I, can I suggest this morning, if you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, maybe you're not ready to be used by Him either. If you're not ready to have people look you in the face and say, you're stupid, this is dumb, maybe you're not ready for what God has for you. I remember when, when I stopped my, my career as a research scientist, right? For those of you who, who don't know me, I, I trained in, in biotechnology and I was working in a lab and I just felt this isn't where I'm meant to be. And, and so at the time it was just, I'm gonna, just going to stop it for a year. I'm just going to pause, right? And then a job came up at church that paid pretty much nothing, right? It was three days a week. And I was like, great, I'll do that. And not only that, it wasn't like a fun job. Right? It wasn't like, hey, Jono, come to church and you can write sermons all day, which I would have been like, yeah. Or it wasn't like, hey, Jono, come to church and you can just drink coffee with people all day. I would have been like, yeah. It was, hey, Jono, come to church and manage our accounts. Right? There was only one subject I didn't like at high school. It was maths. Right? So there I am. I'm like, yep. And Amanda is amazing, right? Amanda Ty, she was running the accounts, and she tried to teach me, and, and she did a great job, right? No fault of Amanda, but I did not pick up anything, and then she had a baby, and I couldn't ask her how to do things anymore. And I was like, this, man, if I stuff this up, we're in trouble, right? But, and, and people looked at me, and they're like, man, what are you doing? You're a scientist, and now you're working as like a, um, an accounts person. And, and even, you know, these are, accounts person is a bad job, so people usually get paid a lot for it. And you're working as an accounts person, and it's a bad job, and you're not getting, what, what are you doing? Right, see, sometimes following God looks stupid. But if God's called us to be obedient, maybe we just have to believe, actually, God, what you're calling me to, you're going to be with me in. There are going to be people who, who don't get why you dream like you dream. There are going to be people who don't understand why you obey like you obey. There are going to be people who get frustrated that you're kind, right, frustrated that, man, I keep on being mean to you. You're, you're my workmate, and I keep on cutting under you. I keep on taking over your projects when they're going well and flicking you things when they're going bad, and yet you've never sworn at me. You've never gotten angry at me. You've never been frustrated with me. And that one time that you did, you were so apologetic. Why are you doing this? It angers me. Right? There are going to be people who don't like the person that you become when you follow God. But we need to understand that people are not necessarily going to understand what God tells you to do. And we need to, to, to ask ourselves, is it more important for you to do what's right in the eyes of God and wrong in the eyes of people? Or is it more important for you to do what's right in the eyes of people and wrong in the eyes of God? Right? A decision to obey God when no one understands it can change everything. God will call you to obey Him first, maybe at the expense of the expectations of other people. See, people with the faith of Mary must remain obsessed with what God thinks of them and push through what others think of them and say about them. Mary would never have borne Jesus into the world if she worried about what others thought about her more than what God thought about her. Right? God chose her, selected her, because he knew here is a woman who will believe in me more than she'll believe in others. Here is a woman who, who won't be dissuaded, who won't make up a story. No, Jesus, you, uh, you know, people said you're the son of God, but that was just a story. Actually, you're the son of, of Jose down the road, you know, a cart builder. You know, because that would have been easier just, just to make up a lie, to just pretend that yeah, actually it was, a, it was a discretion and she's a bad woman. Right, because at least people just think you're bad then as opposed to crazy. Right, just, ah, uh, Stinking Mary, you know, meant to be marrying Joseph, went off and slept with that guy. 
just a bad person. But we're all bad people. Keep on moving. If you don't get stoned to death, you're all good. But instead, there she is, and, and she's sticking to her guns. No, no, this is, this is God. God is doing, everyone's going to be like, you're crazy. And not only are you crazy, you're pompous. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that God would choose you to do this? People are going to say that to you. Who do you think you are that God's going to use you to change Wellington? Who do you think you are that, that God's going to use you to change your workplace? Who do you think you are that you think God's called you to build this company or this business or to be this sort of artist or to, to bring hope to people in this way? Who do you think you are that God would do that through you? But what they don't understand is that God wants to do it through everyone, right? You're special and God has called you for your purpose, yes, but, but also realize when they're saying that to you, God's called them as well. When they're saying, you could never change that, you could never do this, realize that actually, while they're pulling you down, you know that God has called them for something amazing. And sometimes that's the best thing to respond with. Yeah, God has called me to do this, but do you know, actually, He's called you to do it too. That God's got something amazing for you to do. That God's got a breakthrough waiting for you. See, John chapter 15, verses 18 to 19, features Jesus saying, the world is going to hate you. Right? Jesus is letting people know that what really matters is what God says matters. That our culture promotes being accepted by peers and, and being popular. Getting approval is, is the greatest thing. We have to teach ourselves in this culture who is the main voice we'll listen to. Right? Who are we going to tune into? See, some people, they, they don't know who they are. And it's easy to be in that place. I'm not sure who I am. I'm not sure what I'm meant to be doing. And if you don't know who you are, the world is going to be more than happy to tell you, right? It will put you in a box. It will slap a label on you, and it will put you on the shelf. This is the type of person you are. This is the type of things you'll do. These are the types of dreams that you're right to dream. Now go dream this, right? Go think this. Go try and do this. Don't step outside your box. Don't dream a little bit bigger. Don't stretch yourself. This is who you're meant to be. See, the only way to, to not have criticism, the only way to not have opposition, the only way to not have doubters or haters is to have nothing, do nothing, and stand for nothing. The only way that we're going to avoid people disagreeing with us or trying to shut us down or saying that we can't is if we have nothing, do nothing, and stand for nothing. If we're going to be a people that are going to change Wellington, if we're going to be a people that are going to do anything worth doing, someone's going to say that's a bad idea, you're a bad person, and I don't like you. And maybe we just have to steal ourselves for that. Actually, someone's not going to enjoy the fact that I'm doing this, and yet I'm going to do it because it's going to benefit them. Someone's not going to like the fact that I'm going to say this, and yet I'm going to say it because I know it's going to help them. And we have to be careful that we always put out the truth in love, Right? This doesn't mean that we're called by God to walk up to strangers on the street and slap them around the face with a scripture necessarily. Maybe God's called you to do that. He hasn't called me yet, but maybe he's called you. Right, but, but realizing that we're always bringing the truth in love. See, at the end of the day, you have to know what God says about you, that the only voice that matters is God's. Will there be something about you that's fearless in faith? Who's the loudest voice in your head right now? Right? Do, you, do you know what God says about you? If God is loudest only on Sunday, then you'll lose during Monday through Saturday. Right? If, if Sunday is, is the only time that we hear God encouraging us, the only time that we hear God speaking to us, the only time that we hear God building us up, then, then we're lost throughout the week. Right? Mary wasn't afraid of others' opinions. How are we doing for time? All right. 
My third point is that Mary didn't wait to encourage herself with people who believed in God's call. Right? Who do we surround ourselves with? Who do we let speak into our lives? It says in, in verse 39, Mary didn't waste a minute. Right? She's called to do this amazing thing. And what is her response? What's the first thing she does? She goes to Elizabeth's house because she knows that Elizabeth understands. She knows that Elizabeth gets what she is called to do. This is why church is so important. Right? Who are you encouraging yourself with? Are you here today and your call is being shouted down by someone else? Are you here today and the thing that you're called to do is being drowned out by someone else who's saying, no, you can't do that, right? Instead of going to Elizabeth and Judah, you went to Crystal down on the corner, right? Instead of going to someone who would say to you like Elizabeth would say, you're so blessed among women and the babe in your womb also blessed. Why am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord visits me? The moment the sound of your greeting entered my ears, the babe in my womb skipped like a lamb for sheer joy. Blessed woman who believe what God said, believed every woman would come true. Are you going to someone who will say that to you or you're going to Crystal on the corner who's saying you won't be used by God? You, you, you're, you're too dirty. You're too sinful, you're too lazy, you're too dumb, you're too shy, you're too old or you're too young, you're too loud or you're too quiet. Whatever you are disqualifies you. Who are you listening to? Right, is, is church the only time you hear anyone build you up on, on, in the week? Right, you come to church and, and someone stands here and holds a microphone and says, you can do it. And then you go home and maybe your family's like, you can't do it. Or your flatmates are like, you can't do it. Or, or, or your spouse or your, or your family is, no, don't even try Right, and maybe you can't get rid of them. It's hard to get rid of family, and we don't necessarily want to do it. Right, but who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you in an e-group? Is there somewhere that you can be in the middle of the week where someone can stand with you and say, I know you've been shouted down all week, but actually you can do it. Actually, I believe in you. Actually, you are called to make a difference. See, be careful who you encourage yourself with. God shut Elizabeth's husband's mouth until their baby was born because he spoke negatively. That's how God views speaking negatively. He's protecting what he was doing in Elizabeth's life, and maybe he was protecting Mary, because they would have been there similar times. Same time Zechariah couldn't say a word, Mary would have been there, and maybe God's like, nah, Zechariah, this is way too important for you to come in and say something stupid. You can't speak until your baby's born. Because I can't, I can't risk you saying something to Mary when she is here to be encouraged by Elizabeth. I can't risk you shooting her down when she is here to be encouraged and built up. Maybe sometimes in our lives we need to be Zechariah and just shut up. Right? We, we see someone and they've got this amazing thing that they're dreaming of. They're like, God's called me to do this. He's called me to change my city. He's called me to change my school. And you're like, I tried that last year and it didn't work for me. You shouldn't do it. You shouldn't try. You're going to be burnt out and hurt. Maybe you just need to shut up. Right, maybe God's calling us to say nothing if we can't be encouraging. But if we can be Elizabeth, if we can say, actually, I've got something in me as well. There's something kicking in me that's going to do something. And I can see what's happening in your life because I feel the same thing. God's using us to change the world, right? Here, Elizabeth, she's not carrying someone insignificant. This is John the Baptist, right? Someone who's going to go on to, to baptize so many people. Literally, his last name becomes Baptist, right? He's an important figure, but maybe who he becomes is based on her response to Mary, her encouragement, her building Mary up, maybe built her up as well. See, we're not advocating to be closed off from the world. 
right? Far from it. We're not saying, you know, don't talk to your non-Christian friends about your dreams because they might shut you down. Right? We're not saying, you know, we need to be a cloistered, you know, just close the doors, never open them again. We'll be good in here, just Christians. Right? But, but what we're saying is that is not that we can only speak in positives, right? That there is a place for, for grounded, realistic uh, acknowledgement of the barriers. Yes, we don't, we don't want to be foolhardy necessarily. But, but at the same time, who are we encouraging ourselves with, right? Do we have friends who say, all right, you want to do this. These are all the things that are going to need to happen to have that happen, right? It's, it's a big task. But man, I'm going to be excited when it happens. Man, I'm going to be excited when your school is changed. You're going to need to talk to a whole lot of people Right? You're going to need to hand out a whole lot of flyers. You're going to, at your workplace, you're going to need to do something to let them know that you're a Christian because at the moment, no one knows. Right? That they come at us with the, these are the things we need to do, but at the same time, they encourage us. Man, I'm excited to see that happen. Man, I'm believing with you that this is going to be amazing because who we encourage ourselves with might just determine if we see our dreams come fulfilled or live wondering. See, my last point, just as I get the band up, is Mary treasured in her heart. Right, it, twice in, in Luke 2, a, a phrase is used, Mary treasured in her heart. The first is when the shepherds come to see baby Jesus, and they tell Mary of the angels singing to them, and it says this, she treasured in her heart. And again, in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, Jesus is 12, and he's in the temple talking to the priests, and, and when Mary asks him, son, why haven't you, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. He replies, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Right? When, when Luke speaks of Mary's heart, he's, he's, he's doing so against the backdrop of the Hebrew thought that where the heart was not only the seat of human emotions, right? not only what you, you felt, but it was also what you thought. Right, that the Hebrew worldview wasn't that your, your thoughts came from your mind, but that they came from your heart. Right, that your heart was where you felt and where you thought. See, that the, the word for heart could also be translated as mind or, or brain. And this verb to treasure has, has connotations of remembering or mulling over, or of putting pieces together, of saving from destruction. It could also be said as pondering, right, an, an active continued thinking. What are we actively thinking on? Right? If, if you were to be honest with yourself, how many days outside of Sunday do you think about God wants to do through you in Wellington? How many days outside of joining together here do you think about how God wants to use you to change your world? Right? To use you to change the, the things that you see, right? How often are you, A, looking for what God is doing and B, pondering what it could mean. See, this is where the rubber hits the road. It doesn't matter what testimony we stand on or, or how fearlessly are or, or what we let speak into our lives. If we don't take the time to look, to see where God is moving, and then to ponder, to mull over, to actively consider what it is He's doing, then church will only ever be on Sundays. Right, the change will only ever be here. Wellington needs people who God can use, and He wants to use us seven days a week. Right, as we go into this new year, can we be people who take big, crazy, risky steps with God? Maybe ask yourself this morning, why not me? 
wake up tomorrow and realize that God is going to use me wherever I go, wherever He calls us. Right, but if we're only looking one day a week, we're going to miss so much. Can we be like Mary and treasure in our heart? Ponder over in our mind. What would happen if as a people we stopped just gathering together on a Sunday and started thinking throughout the week, God, what are you doing? God, where are you moving? God, what change do you want me to bring here? God, where can I be positivity? Where can I be light? Where can I help someone to stand up in this situation? See, Mary did four things. Mary stood on the testimony of others. Mary wasn't afraid of others' opinions. Mary didn't wait to encourage herself with people who believed in God's call on her life. And Mary treasured in her heart. Where are we this morning? What are we waiting on to, to be the change that God has called us to be? Right, maybe at the moment we're seeing too small. We're not standing on the testimony of anyone else. We don't understand what God could and wants to do through us. We think of ourselves as too small. Maybe this morning your vision needs to enlarge. You need to see that God has called you to be the change, not the person next to you, not the person with the microphone, not the people on stage, but He's called you to be the change that you are just as important, just as called, just as essential to God's plan for Wellington as anyone else here. Right? Maybe you're here and, and you're afraid of others' opinions. You know what God has called you to do. You know what God has said, this is for you, but you're too afraid of what others might think of you, what others might say, what others might shoot you down with. You're too afraid of the repercussions of doing this seemingly foolhardy thing for God. Maybe you're here and, 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 and you want to do it, and, and you're not necessarily afraid of what others think, but you keep on being encouraged by the wrong people, right? Pulled down to their level, demotivated each time you try to step out. Maybe you need to think about who's encouraging you. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you letting speak into your life? You know, people are always going to talk to you, but who's speaking into you? We are in control of that. They can say stuff to us, but it's up to us whether we let it sit in our heart or whether we say, no, I actually don't agree with that. Maybe not to them, but to ourselves. No, actually, you're wrong. I can do this. No, actually, you're not right. God has called me. Right, and, and finally, what are we thinking over? What are we treasuring? Are we treasuring what God wants to do through us and in us? Or are we treasuring the, the new car we want, the house, the job, the worries, the bills? What, what takes our prized place in our hearts? Because if we don't put God there, something else will get there right away. So maybe just as you, as you close your eyes and bow your heads, we're going to finish up. But this, this last Sunday in 2015, what would it look like if 2016 was our year of Mary? A year of having the faith of Mary, of being people who responded like Mary, who said, God, I'm going to respond to what you're calling me to do, even though it seems impossible. Let me just close your eyes for a minute and dream about what 2016 might look like if you said yes to God in the big things. Maybe you're here and, and, and you don't feel like God's called you to do any big things. Maybe He's just called you to be uh, consistent in the little things. Maybe He's got a big thing just right around the corner, but at the moment, He knows the angel appearing to you is gonna freak you out too much. And He's waiting to see, can you do these little things so I can bring you the big thing? Right, but God wants to use every one of us to do something amazing. So just as every head is bowed and eyes are closed, I just want to pray for us. God, thank you that you have called us to be the change that, that Wellington, that this world needs. 
Thank you that you've called us to, to be the difference. That we're not here waiting for someone else to show up, waiting for someone more skilled or more ready. We are the answer that you've given. That when we look at Wellington and we see what needs to change, you look and you say, luckily I've sent them. Luckily they're here. Luckily they are going to be the difference. God, I pray that we would that we would first of all stand on the testimony of others. That we wouldn't be afraid to, to see beyond what we can see and to see what others have seen. That we would say, you've done it there, you can do it here. God, that, that we wouldn't be afraid of what others say. That we would hear it, but that we wouldn't let it into our heart. That we would not wait to encourage ourselves with those who believe in God's call. That we would be careful who we let speak into us. And lastly, God, that we would ponder all these things. That we would treasure them in our heart. That we would always be walking and thinking, God, how am I going to be the change that you've brought here? What are you going to do in this moment? Just as every head is still bowed and eyes closed, every service we have at Equipus Church Wellington, we, we always want to give you the opportunity to respond to Jesus. So you might be here this morning and you've gone to church all your life, right? This, this is what you do, but, but maybe this morning you feel far away. Maybe if you're honest with yourself, 2015 has been a year of drift for you. And you know that you're not in the relationship with God that you want to be. Maybe you're here and this is your first time in church or you've come to church a whole lot, but you've never asked God to come into your life. You've never said, God, I want to do life with you. I want to follow you. God, I need you. If you're here this morning and you want to make this decision to say, God, I need you to be my God because I'm sick of trying to make it all work on my own. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with. Just if there's anyone here this morning that wants to pray this prayer, just raise your hand now. Cool. Cool. I haven't seen any hands, and that's fine. I'm just going to pray one more time. God, thank you that, that we are here believing in you, knowing that you've called us to change the world. God, we're excited for 2016. God, let it be a year in which we don't shy away from your call. We're not intimidated by the, the bigness or the scariness of what you might call us to do, God, but that we step out with faith like Mary, that we see all these things happening and we say, God, I'm excited to see what you're going to do in it. Thank you that you've called everyone in this room not to be a spectator, but to be a central figure in the change you want to bring in their lives, in the lives of those around them, in their city, in Wellington, in New Zealand, and in the world. Thank you that we don't do it on our own, but we do it with you. Amen. Amen. Very cool. Very cool. Hey, uh, I think we're going to finish with a song. Is everyone all right with that? Finish with a song? Yeah, why don't you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. Give your neighbor a hearty pat on the back. Nice pat on the back. Uh, and let's go out praising.